Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, and welcome back to the podcast. This is Deacon John and Joe coming at you from the treehouse on the third floor in Denver, Colorado. How are you, Joe? I'm doing great, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. It's a good day. Yeah, it is a good day. All right, we're going to have to boogie today. Yeah, um, because I got my midterm. You do, and you're giving a homily. Sister Esther Mary's getting tired of you being late. So I know. Let's do this. So what are we talking about today? We are talking about top five figures of Catholic faith and science. Beautiful. Top five figures of Catholic faith and science. So we're kind of picking up on the science thing we I did know, last week. That's good. Exactly. So. It's funny. We don't plan these things, but they do kind of uh, correspond. We did the Pope thing a couple weeks ago, and now we're going to do the science thing. So That's right. That's great, cool. man. So um, why are we talking about science? Isn't this a Catholic podcast? Right, I mean, right. what, what do we? What does science have to do with Catholicism? Exactly. So there's three things. Three things I think I want to speak to in this. The first reason I want to speak about science is um, in our culture right now, scientism is super prevalent. This is a culture that we want to evangelize. We want to speak to. So it's important. What is scientism? Scientism is this idea that the only valid form of knowledge. Only objectively valid form is science. science. I mean, the other things we have theology, we have philosophy, we have these ethics, morality, but these are kind of like pie in the sky kind of things. I mean, they're important. We like to talk about them, but when it comes to really, you know, hanging your hat on something, give me something that's scientific. Give me something that's calculable. It's not real knowledge, like that we have this real precise scientific exactly. knowledge. Exactly. This yeah. is really, obje- I mean, even we, we even see this reflected in how we, in our language. You know, we say something's proven, that's one thing. But when we say, oh, this is scientifically proven, here's the data, here's the right. facts, right. it's like, oh, yeah, this is this is real knowledge here, you know, and and uh, that's kind of, that's a fallacy. Knowledge is greater than just, I mean, I don't want to dog science. Science is a great gift. Right. It's a great thing. But the idea, the scientism, this idea that the only real valid form of, solid, uh, of knowledge is science. So and outside of that, you really can't, you know, we can't really speak objectively about anything outside of scientific knowledge. So science, scientific knowledge is good. Scientism, which is a philosophical uh, approach to knowledge, saying that only scientific knowledge is the only kind of knowledge, that's bad. Exactly. Gotcha. And this is super prevalent right. in, in just our, our wider culture, right. the culture we want to speak to. So these guys I'm going to talk about are kind of examples of how there's more knowledge than just science, but science is also good. Beautiful. Second reason is this. Uh, there seems to be this juxtaposition, uh, juxtaposition in a lot of people's minds in our culture that's between faith and science, between right. religion, science, faith, and reason. Reason you can kind of is the bigger umbrella under which science falls. You know, natural reason, what we can know uh, just naturally. And this is this is also false. John Paul II was really big. He wrote an encyclical on faith and reason, saying that faith and reason have a deep underlying unity, right? Because the origin of, of each of them, the source of each, is God, who is right. the, who is truth, who is the source of all truth. And truth cannot contradict truth. So faith and science aren't opposed to one another. And, and you see this in, in the way people, t- sometimes it's like, you know, there's like scientific people who are all about, you know, facts and material things. And then there's a kind of more religious people who are a little more flighty. And they don't really like, we don't like to mix the two. Like we have evolution and then we have the Bible and the creation story. And it's like, can these really be reconciled? <laughs> yeah. you know? like, um, and the church says, yes, they can. And these are figures who can say, you know, they, these guys aren't speaking directly to evolution and creation, but just that faith and science aren't opposed to one another. Right, They're right. integrated, and they flow from the same source, which is God. Third reason, um, scientists are always dogging on the church about being kind of like anti-science. You know, we always hear like Galileo, the whole thing with Galileo brought yeah. up, and like, oh, the church should just kind of stay out of science. And, you know, science, you know there's this kind of this fear of like uh, the church being, 
kind of anti-science or and and maybe even some from the church people in the church seeing like oh uncomfortable with science you know um and and that's just not really true we're not going to go into galileo super actually that would be a great podcast in itself that would be a just a galileo no, we scenario but uh but just to say the church and and science have a deep history together in fact much of the science we have in western civilization comes from figures from the church interesting so that's what we're going to talk about top Beautiful. five Top five. We're, number, we're numbering science. everything. Yeah, we're good. numbering everything. So here we go. Um, number five. I gotta try to remember the order. You're going backwards. Here. Okay, number five. Okay, number five. Who are we talking about? Are these like the five in terms of like great? No, just this random? is this is my own kind of like. I, I think they're both. This is my ascension to like cool. Okay. What I what I was interested in. So okay. number five. A lot of you guys have heard about this guy, Father Gregor Mendel. Mendel, father of biology. Oh. Oh. You know, he uh, he was. You know, a lot of people just know him as Gregor Mendel. He was he father was a by priest, though. He was a priest. And not only was he a priest, he was at an abbey uh, where he was the abbot. You know, so it wasn't just like he was like all the other monks were in that place praying and he was kind of like not doing the prayer thing, but kind of doing like the playing yeah. with his beans in the in the garden and figuring out this Bible. No, he was like the abbot of this place. Uh, he was a holy man um, and also the fa- father of biology. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So beautiful stuff. Um, there's a lot more to go that into was with like, him. Like what century? Do, do you uh, know? Mendel, he was from 1822 to 1884. Okay. Uh, did some incredible century. things, really innovative things that nobody else was doing. Um, and in his life of prayer, monasticism, end up uh, giving a lot to Western society. We think about the field of biology. Um, there's a lot there. And a lot of it's owed back to him. So this is this guy, Father Gregor Mendel. Number four, um, let's talk about, ooh, this guy's cool, Antoine Lavoisier. I'm totally Lavoisier. I don't even know if that's how you say his name. Um, this guy was, uh, I don't know if you guys have heard about him before. I, I I've never heard about him. I don't him. have the years. He died in 1794, so he was during the French Revolution kind of gotcha. time. Gotcha, okay. Uh, but he's known as the father of chemistry. Ah. Huge guy. He was from a pious Catholic family, um, and he himself wasn't like super devout, so that's why he's only number four. Um, okay. But he was a great figure in science. He was a Catholic. He wasn't super devout, but he was actually killed on the guillotine holding a crucifix in his hands. Uh, and, you know, obviously a religious man to a degree. You know, so we have this guy, you know. So I'm just – these are guys, you know, if people are bringing up, oh, scientist faith, you know, we have like the four horsemen in England who are atheists trying to bring down religion. Right. It's like, well, no, you know, most scientists throughout history have been religious men. Exactly. So, you know, you're kind of going against the grain in the scientific community. Covassier, great. Oh. Uh, Lavoisier. Uh, Lavoisier. <laughs> Number three might be a bit of a surprise. A lot of guys have heard about this guy, uh, Copernicus. Copernicus? Yeah, Copernicus. He was Polish, wasn't he? He was a Polish dude. Uh, what's his name, his full name here? Do I even have it? No, it just says Copernicus. He was 1473 to How about 15... we name him Grzegorz? <laughs> Grzegorz. Yeah, just like our Polish friend. Um, Copernicus, that's his last name. I forget his first name. 1473 okay. to 15... Uh, I think it's Nicholas, actually. Ah, I think you're right, actually. Okay. Um, to 1543. And he... Obviously, very much known for um, proposing his theory of heliocentrism, the right. sun being the center of the solar system, right. and the Earth revolving around the sun, which right. was kind of turning the uh, astrology, astronomy. I always get the two confused. Astronomy. Wait, Let's astronomy. Get that. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, uh, turning that community, those theories upside down. Um, and there hadn't been a lot said in like a thousand years on this. Um, so when he proposed this theory, it was huge, kind of rocked the scientific world, and kind of you know there was a some debates going back in Catholic in the theological circles because this was you know this some of the psalms seem to say you know the earth not to be moved forever right. in Psalm you know uh, eighty nine I think it is but um and and so he's saying well no the earth does move around the sun so there is some disparity here that's a whole other issue but uh but basically there's a there's a 
there there are some things that he's seen as unpopular for, but he himself didn't see himself as contradicting faith. He himself he was a canon actually at a cathedral. Oh, interesting. Had spent he was a celibate, spent a life of service to the church and his bishop. Um, and in fact, he wrote a letter to the Pope at the preface of his book that he published, um, saying how. Uh, how basically speaking of the glory of God and the glory of God that we find in creation and how this doesn't contradict the scriptures and here's why and and it's not that he's uh you know that he was basically making an argument of how this is compatible and he can reconcile this with our faith it it sounds to me like um, he's one of the classic examples of how science actually scientific discovery and scientific knowledge leads to a, a purified um, theological interpretation of the scriptures exactly so, okay so you like because they were interpreting the Psalms of saying one thing, and he was saying, no, scientifically, we, no, that's not the case, and that was changed. doesn't mean doctrine was changed in the church, but it does mean that the way that we were interpreting scriptures based on the discovery of scientific knowledge did affect that. And it's perfectly you know, compatible. So, Very cool. Very cool, yeah. And then, the, Galileo is another great example of that. There is, is he number two? Galileo is not. I'm not going to talk about Galileo just because okay. I think we should do we another, should do another on podcast him. on him. So I'll, I'll leave him for that. But okay. Galileo, uh, he'd get honorable mention, I guess. In this honorable list. mention. Although he probably should be up there. Um, number two is uh, Nicholas Steno. I think that's how you say Steno. it. Steno. Um, yeah, this guy, he was alive in 1638 to 1686, so 17th century. He was a Danish pioneer in both anatomy and geology. Huh. So this guy kind of had his hands. He was one of the first guys to make an argument for the great age of the earth, the earth being like billions of years old. What he was doing, he kind of, he would, he would find fossils of, you know, a shark's tooth or something on top of a mountain and be like, what is this doing here? And just kind of started asking these questions. What's going on? He's known as the father of geology. So he was, oh, he was a, a real big pioneer in this. Ge- and geology is actually very interesting. I took a class in college and I was shocked to find how fascinating it was. I was like, oh, this is going to stink. It's just going to be rocks. But it, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. Yeah, he's a, Yeah, but this guy, he's a stud. He's actually uh, beatified by the church. Really? He's actually blessed Nicholas Sano. Yeah, boy. Uh, a very holy, obvious piety, obvious sanctity. Um, but also father of geology, uh, pioneer in uh, anatomy. So doing some great things. Blessed Nicholas Steno, nice. Copenhagen. Copenhagen. Uh, yeah, from the 17th century. So, awesome guy. Uh, the first one. This Here we is my, go. This, this is exciting. Is, this is my favorite guy. I All think, right. Um, just a lot of cool things to say about this guy. And you might have heard of him. I don't even know how to pronounce his first name. Georg? Georg Lemaitre? Lemaitre? Lemaitre. Uh, Lemaitre. Was he friends with Einstein? This is a guy who was friends yeah. with Einstein. Yeah, he's a Jesuit. Yeah, he's all awesome awesome guy uh, yeah. the more i read about him the more i'm like wow really really bright guy both in in science and just in a kind of the dialogue between the church and science um he was kind of a player in he's that. a 20th century right Early he's a 20th, 20th century. century he was uh born in 1894 died in 1966 he was a belgian roman catholic priest uh, he was honorary honorary prelate professor of physics and astronomer at the catholic university in louvain huh I use a Monsignor. So oh. Monsignor Georg Lemaitre, uh, a priest, both priest and scientist. What did he do uh, scientifically? The big thing he's known for um, is he had a theory called, uh, he called it the primordial, primordial prime, oh, I can't remember the name of it. What is it? That's okay. I don't think I'd understand it anyways. Either. All right. Yeah. It's like the primordial atom theory. Right. Um, but most people know it as the Big Bang theory. Ah. Yeah. He, he was the first person to uh, come up with the theory of the universe, the origin of the universe, that uh, ended up being called the Big Bang. The Big Bang theory, the whole term Big Bang is actually kind of a derogatory phrase right. that right. somebody used about it, but now it kind of got picked up and right. makes sense. But th- a lot of people think, you know, Big Bang theory, how's this line of the creation? You know, there's this uncomfortability with it. But this actually came from a priest who was saying, 
No, this is this is he made a scientific. He was all about science right. uh, in the of how we. He didn't want to keep a distinction between the theological realm and the scientific realm. Not that we're talking about different things, but that we have different approaches and different methods. So he didn't want to. He was very big about not blurring the two. Um, you know, doing science, and this is what science tells us, and this is what Revelation tells us, and with faith that they can be reconciled all the times. But yeah, he was a he was a he had this. The theory was basically based on. Um, an expanding universe that everything kind of came back to one point and what he what ended up being discovered i think just right months before he died in 1966 if his theory was true he um, projects he would uh, if his theory was true he proposed that there would be a certain level of heat and radiation still left in vestiges of the big bang right. left in the universe um, and in 1966, I think shortly before his death, it was discovered that this was true. Um, it said, uh, shortly after having learned of the discovery of cosmic microwave background radiation, and this provided further evidence of his theory. So a really cool thing. Yeah, and yeah, beautiful. he was he was good friend. And he had a good relationship with the church. Uh, in 1936, he was elected member of the Pontifical Academy of Sciences. Ah. Um, he was uh, at Vatican II as a theologian there. Yeah, I think that Pontifical Academy of Science is worth mentioning that the, the, the popes over the last century have... Um, have had an academy of science where they'll have the the best scientists from all over the world come to to discuss exactly these topics about the the integration of science, but also for John Paul II really used it as a way of keeping up on scientific uh, de- discoveries and on developments and that sort of thing. Exactly. So, so this is a super interesting, super interesting field. There's a lot to go into yeah, here. Yeah, that's correct. I don't have time to do it now, but yeah, it's a, maybe this is something we can come back to in future podcasts maybe. Yeah, I'd like to do a Big Bang. This stuff is interesting. Creation evolution is interesting. Galileo, all these things. So we got we got lots of uh, scientific podcasts on the way, mm-hmm. but this is a great uh, great start, and I just learned a bunch of stuff. So yeah, thanks, Einstein, after hearing about his theory, the first time he heard uh him explain it. He stood up and applauded and said, this is the most beautiful and satisfactory explanation of creation to which I've ever listened. That's what science, uh, Einstein, Einstein said? That. Isn't that cool? So, yeah. Wow. So, these are the top five figures of faith and science. So, you know, keep these guys in your back pocket if you're talking to some... I think that's great. Yeah. Try and memorize those names, though, you know. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Uh, Lemaitre is a good one. Steno, Blessed Nicholas Steno, Steno is blessed awesome. Blessed Nicholas Steno. So, yeah, if, you, uh, if there are any holy... Uh, Catholic scientists out there listening now, we'd love to hear from you too and hear your feedback. Hear our thoughts on that Catholic Stuff Podcast at gmail.com so I can get a hold of us. And that's Deacon Joe and John. And we don't have time for any emails today, but we will do it next time. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.